0: Live, not on the really real deal as I normally would be doing tomorrow morning, but coming at you live here from the Lee Brothers program. Scott and Richard Lee, always such an honor to sit in for you guys. Now, the Lee brothers asked me to let you all know that, uh, not to worry, <laughs> they shall return. Okay, and uh, But in the meantime, it's, uh, it's always an honor and a pleasure to sit in for the brothers, Lee. And uh, hopefully we'll have a really, really fantastic program for you guys today. Uh, a lot to talk about, a special election in the Brooklyn district. I'm telling you folks, uh, that's my home district in Henrico County. I have never seen it so packed. And Dan Schmidt was the winner. Uh, 2017 votes were cast. And in that very same location, uh, just a week or two ago,
1: uh, there was a uh, a Democrat primary, which Danny Plager won for the Democrats. 119 votes cast. Okay.
0: So, uh, hey, and look, resting in the balance is the direction that Henrico County is going to take. Uh it's either it's gonna be three, two uh Republican Democrat in one direction or another. And so uh that was really, really uh exciting. And uh now we have a lot more to talk about. Uh we've got Manafort, we've got Mueller, uh just uh plenty of things. And look also we have traffic okay i'm not going to really get into the traffic but uh a little secret here i am right now walking into the studio because uh wow this morning there was an accident going in one direction on 95 and as i was traveling here to the studio there was an accident coming in this direction and i had to actually get off I, I'm, and i'm just glad there was no cop looking because i had to get off of the highway get in reverse where first i cheated over <laughs> i cheated over into the um the little side lane then uh when i got to an exit i put it in reverse
1: backed up the exit okay <laughs> and um and now, and listen,
0: folks, I, I'm going to switch over here now.
1: Okay. I hope you guys can hear me. I hope we didn't hear the
0: whole lot. I'm no longer on the phone. I'm now behind the uh, microphone. I can't say it's a golden uh, microphone like uh, a particular famous guy, but I love this microphone, and, uh, hey, I love what I do here. But anyway, all right, so, like I was saying, I had to throw it in reverse back up the hill, up the exit, Uh, Then turn around, go in the opposite direction, down 64, and go towards the, um, got off at Laburnum and went across that, um, uh, what's that, the Verona-Enon Bridge, which brought me down to 95. And whew, but I'm here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And uh, really a great program, I think, lined up. I was uh, blessed to interview Robert Spencer, uh, again today, we've had him on On my program uh, plenty of times And so this morning I did a pre-tape Interview with Robert Spencer And uh, we're going to play that for you Later on in today's program And um, and then for anyone That misses it today, hey, we'll have it on my Program again tomorrow The interview is just that good The book is just that good And Robert Spencer, uh, for many of you Many of you will know, but for those of you Who don't, uh, he is founder of Jihad Watch Okay, and uh, as a matter of fact, he recently uh, got shut down the same way Alex Jones got shut down. And this time it was um, Patreon, which is a, a website for people that produce content, but they don't have a patron. Okay, remind you of someone, okay, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, all right, uh, founder and president of the First Amendment, Inc. You know, maybe I need to get on Patreon, but I'm wondering, are they going to kick me off the way they kicked off Robert Spencer? You know, Facebook kicked off Alex Jones, and I mean, uh, Candace Owens had, had issues. Just all kinds of conservatives have issues on these uh, social media platforms, and we we maybe we'll talk about that a little later on today. Uh, as well. And, uh, you know, in my role as uh, founder and president of the the First Amendment, Inc., I'm always keen to watch out for First Amendment violations. And uh, one of the first things that a, um, let's say, a trained attorney will tell you as far as the First Amendment, in a sense, they're right, is that it, it deals with government infringement on your freedom of speech, not a private business. But this the 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 um, the nexus uh, with these um, tech companies and other large companies and, and the Democrat power structure in government. My feeling is that the uh, the government has given these people so many breaks to be able to be super rich, just like one of our senators, Mark Warner, guys, the richest senator out of 100. And he got rich with a government hookup. Well, there are a lot of these people that got rich with government hookups and all types of favoritism. And so maybe, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So you make me rich, I'll put my foot on the necks of these conservatives. So Robert Spencer, he's going through that. And uh, so they snatched his Patreon account. And uh, now they claim it was at the insistence of uh, MasterCard. Okay? So, for you guys out there who have MasterCards, you know, I'm not going to tell you to boycott MasterCard. I'm just giving you information, okay? And so you can do what you like. There there are many, many uh, other uh, credit card companies out out there. And a lot of times, you know, people really, really only understand things when it hits them in the pocketbook. But anyway, uh, Robert Spencer's latest book is uh, The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. And uh, it was a really, really uh a good interview, if I have to say so myself. And uh so and it's about twenty five minute long interview. And so maybe we'll play that uh a little later on in the program. But anyway Uh, Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a really, really quick uh, commercial break while the hatchet man gets himself oriented showing up here uh, late for work. And, uh, you know, that's not like a Christian conservative, but, uh, hey, it, it happens even to the best of us. But we'll be right back, folks.
2: Making radio great again. It's the Lee Brothers.
0: And in this corner, weighing in at a set of blueberries... The standard low-fat Republican, grand old Republican, who refuses to fight the Democrats the way they fight us, Governor Goofball. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of Vidalia onions, the teller of truth, the slayer of Democrats. (laughs) Folks, people want a champion. A man and his microphone. The Really Real Deal with Brother Craig, the Hatchet Man.
3: Well, if you ask me where I come from
1: Here's what I tell everyone I was born by God's dear grace In an extraordinary place with the stars
0: and stripes, an eagle flies. Welcome back to the program, Richmond, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee today. And, uh, hey, you guys drive real careful out there. That traffic is a really, really a very, very hectic mess. And, uh, hey, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad you're there. And uh, sit back and enjoy. Uh, I would like to give the phone number out a little early today, and I I would love to take your phone call. The number here is 804-454-1366. 804-454-1366. 804-454-1366. And uh, you know, some other things to talk about uh, occurring in the news. Uh, you know, I have been thinking about this question, and I've been posing this question. And, you know, there's so much uh we we're we're literally uh at war with one another again in this nation. As uh, many of you who are longtime listeners, you know that one of my recurring themes. Uh, that I've spoken on many, many times on on radio. I did a six-week television series about this about seven years ago before. Now, everyone kind of can see it now, but seven years ago, everyone couldn't see it. But I did a a TV show about it, okay? Uh, A series, actually, a six-week-long series. And it's not that I'm so brilliant, but God has blessed me to interview a lot of uh, very very brilliant people. Okay, and uh, you know, as a matter of fact, we're gonna you're gonna hear from one of them, two of them today. Actually, we're gonna, we're gonna do one guy live at four o'clock, and another one uh, we're gonna play it at, uh, at the bottom of the hour here. And uh, but Neil Howe wrote a book. He um, oh, I wish I could remember that. Strauss Howe and Strauss wrote a book, The Fourth Turning. Uh, They're a great writing team. Uh, Howe is still kicking, but Strauss has passed on to glory. Uh, But they wrote seven books together, the two of them did. And uh, the most famous of them was The Fourth Turning. And so they talk about how every four generations, uh, and and I kind of paraphrase it and I, you know, take it and kind of put it in my own words, but the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and World War II and right now in the Donald Trump age, are all separated by four generations, and so we basically this nation we go to war with ourselves, and this is this is what we do, okay, The Revolutionary War was not just us against England. We think we would like to think it was all Americans against the Brits, but no, the America was divided into thirds. You had one third where loyalists wanted to stay with England. One-third were Patriots, wanted to break away from England, and one-third didn't care, okay? Or they were just uh, hedging their bets and waiting to see who would win, okay? And so... And you know today we will call them uh moderates or swamp monsters or members of the establishment uh or whatever their their main goal is to get paid okay and they they don't care uh which side pays them and you have a lot of people like that in government in media in uh in 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 all types of uh areas in our culture uh, these are very very selfish people okay and so and you 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 know them when you see them okay so Anyway, uh, we, we, we end up, we win the Revolutionary War. Four generations later, we're fighting ourselves again, okay? The Civil War. And again, what's at stake? The same thing. is freedom, okay? Is freedom going to be extended, okay? The Revolutionary War, the, um, the royals and the, uh, the dukes and the duchesses and, and all of those folks, they, you know, the noble class, the, you know, they wanted freedom for themselves, And as a matter of fact, since the 12th century, uh, the nobles had gotten a degree of freedom from the king in England, uh, but they did not want that freedom to grow and expand. Uh, So uh, it did grow and expand in the Revolutionary War. Four generations later, again, you, you hit a roadblock. People did not want freedom to expand. They wanted to continue slavery in certain parts of the United States, mainly the South, not only in the South, but mainly in the South. As a geographic block, you would say the South. but there were um people that wanted to uh, keep slavery all over the United States, and there were people that wanted to end slavery. All over the United States. Okay, this is very rarely ever brought up. Okay, people like things to be very simple uh, so that they can sink their teeth in the one side or another. And everything is not as simple as the proponents of one side or another would have you believe. Okay, but anyway. Four generations later, again and again, what's that issue? This same old idea that America was founded under that freedom and rights come from God. This time, Nazis and communists, and they, you know, they were concentrated in, uh, you know, Nazi Germany. They were concentrated in. Uh, Hirohito's Japan, and they were concentrated in Mussolini's Italy. But that's not the only place they were. There were many of them in these United States of America, okay? And so, again, these two ideas, these two thoughts, freedom uh, that is a gift from God versus your fellow human beings have the right, uh, if they think they're smarter than you, more powerful than you, or they have all the guns and you don't have a gun, whatever, okay? They're going to force their will upon you, okay? And so now here we are four generations later and what's the ideology today that says your your freedom and your rights do not come from God. It's fundamentalist Islam. Okay? And that that and that's an absolute fact, okay? And so we're going to play this interview uh in a few minutes that I did with uh Robert Spencer and uh he for the first time has really cataloged the entire history of a jihad under Islam from Muhammad to ISIS, okay? And so this is where we are, but it's not just, again, we fought England, but we had to fight within the United States of America as well, American against American. And so here we are today, Democrat and Republican, and it's not difficult to see which side the two parties come down on, okay? And so... When you uh, go to the voting booth in November, these are things, you know, We don't just wait until November to think about it. But, uh, you know, if you're already on the right side, fine. But if you're on the side of the Democrats, you might want to do some examination, okay? But anyway, we're up against another break. We're going to take that break here uh, right now. And uh, hopefully, do we have a little something by the late, great Aretha Franklin?
2: Our version of the Federalist Papers, without all that reading. It's the Lee Brothers.
0: Welcome back to the program, Richmond. Nothing but a little bit of respect, and uh, yeah, I think that's all Donald Trump wants is a little respect. I mean, my goodness, what do these people want? The economy is booming. I mean, missiles uh, that used to be tested by the uh, Norks uh, are kind of quiet for now. Although I, I'm gonna tell you the truth, I don't think that's gonna last forever. But. Uh, still, you know, trade deals are being renegotiated. A lot of good things are happening, and uh, and of course, folks are are more focused on the manner in which uh, Donald Trump gets these things done rather than the fact that they're getting done. Okay, you know, this chick Omarosa. I mean, uh, you know, Donald Trump tweeted out um, that uh, you know something. The word "dog" was used. I don't have the uh, the exact quote or the tweet pulled up in front of me. But, you know, and and the usual suspects, say, well, oh, that's racist because she has brown skin and oh that's sexist because she's a female. And now uh, my goodness. The man used the word dog that he's used 20 times to refer to white males as this one's a dog, that one's a dog. I mean, you can just pull this stuff up and Google it. And I'm not exaggerating when I say, well, maybe 20 people is an exaggeration. But I know I was reading it online and I saw at least a dozen instances Of uh, different people that he referred to This one got fired like a dog That one choked like a dog That one quit like a dog And that one acts like a dog And just over and over and over again And then I found out that uh, Omarosa herself Referred to herself as a dog Of the female variety Okay, the woman wrote a book Ten years ago called The Bitch Switch Okay, how to (laughs) and that is not maximus the hatchet hound okay (laughs) she actually wrote a book how to turn it off and how to turn it on at will and so i mean folks you cannot make this stuff up anyway We're coming up against the bottom of the hour news break. And when we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to play for you the uh, interview that I did this morning with uh, Robert Spencer about his latest book, The History of Jihad, From Muhammad to ISIS. Okay, so we're going to take that break now and we'll be right back.
2: Lee, the circus clowns of Talk Radio
4: We built this city We built this city on rock and roll built This city We built this city on rock and
0: roll Well all right folks as promised we have a very good friend of this program Robert Spencer we've been Honored and blessed and privileged to have him on before, and he's back again, and he's written another fantastic book, "The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS." And um, you know, uh, Robert is a, uh, a a true warrior in this battle, and was even uh, poisoned over in Iceland uh, a few years ago for being uh, so uh, vociferous in, uh, in 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 articulating his beliefs. And, uh, and, Robert, I hope that was a, uh, a 100% complete recovery.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, it was kind of scary there for a little while, but everything worked out okay. But it does show that the left and their jihadi allies, they are getting increasingly violent and vicious. Yes. And we
0: have to be prepared. Yeah. And, you know, and this myth that Islam is the religion of peace and your organization, Jihad Watch. Okay, you uh, I mean, you've been on them for how many years have you been been on this now?
5: I've been doing Jihad Watch for 15 years and uh, doing this work for about
0: 20. Well, you're doing the Lord's work. And I just want to say thank you again. And uh, thank you very much. You know, I mean, even we have presidents. I mean, 9-11 hits. President George Bush, uh, immediately, you know, typical low-fat Republican, uh, wants to be uh, nice to everyone and wants everyone to like him. Can't say a critical word, and you know, it's, Islam is religion of peace. You know, these terrorists, they, they they have nothing to do with Islam. I I mean, please give give people the reality of. The birth of Islam, you know, the foundations sound nice, faith, prayer, charity, fasting, and pilgrimage. And I I even, I actually have friends who are Muslim. As a matter of fact, I used to be a Muslim when I was a teenager, okay? I kind of got roped in as a very, very young man, was blessed to get out. And Robert, I got out because one of the leaders kicked me in my mouth. Wow. Okay, that's fascinating. One of yeah. the best things of what what you know that was like God Himself saying, "Okay, Craig, you've learned enough. Time for you to go." <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, but and but so I'm
5: not surprised because it's a whole culture of violence.
0: It's a very violent culture, and uh, but now the the people that I know that are you know I guess what you would call kind and gentle Muslims are not religious Muslims. They're just cultural Muslims. It's just because their parents or their grandparents were Muslim and they immigrated to this country. That's just, that's their culture. A lot of them, you and I know more about Islam than most of these people.
5: Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Uh, Unfortunately, there are uh, quite a few people who are violent in Islam and even more unfortunate is just what you're saying, that they're the ones who are reading the book the Quran, and following the example of Muhammad, they're the ones who can point to chapter and verse to justify what they're doing. While kind, gentle, and peaceful Muslims, they don't actually have a leg to stand on in terms of justification for not waging jihad in Islam.
0: Yeah, right. Similar to the kind German, the kind German uh, that maybe would have uh, helped uh, helped our cause or, or helped uh, to hide a Jew That Those kind Germans were powerless to stop the Nazis, who numerically were a minority but had all the power and were willing to use violence to enforce the power that they had.
5: That's a very important point. And as I show in this book, the Muslims have waged jihad for 1,400 years. And, of course, it's not all Muslims who have done so. And they've always been Muslims who've never been interested in doing that, but they've never stopped them. There's never been any kind of movement in Islam to stop jihad
0: terrorism or violence, and there isn't today. Right, right. Now, let's go to one of the foundations. You know, these these Muslims and these scholars that point to the, uh, the like you said, they can cite chapter and verse of why they're justified. And, you know, the people that make these videos where they take Eighteen men out to the uh, waterfront and cut everyone's head off, or they put them in cages and set them on fire, and they do they do all these horrific things. there were there was a video where they uh, put them in a cage and dumped them in water. Okay, and they cite it, it, scholars. Okay, very very learned people cite chapter and verse. And another thing that they cite is the tradition of Muhammad. Let's talk about that a little bit, the example the example of their prophet. Absolutely, Craig. That's the first chapter
5: of this book, uh, since it is the history of jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. I do start with the uh, example of Muhammad, and it's not what a lot of people might think. Uh, most people figure, well, he started a great world religion. He must have taught peace and harmony and benevolence and magnanimity, when actually he was a warlord who led armies, He exhorted his followers to assassinate his enemies, and he rewarded them for doing so. And he, uh, uh, of course, took sex slaves. He married a child, and there is a great deal more about him that is all the more terrible because he is held up as the excellent example for Muslims. And they're constantly told that he's the greatest person who ever lived and that they should imitate him. And one of the reasons why Muslims become violent is because they start to imitate
0: Muhammad. Yeah, yeah, and there's now a rape culture in, uh, in Europe, and, in, and it's very, very acute in England and in Germany.
5: Exactly, and that comes straight from the Quran, where, which says that men, Muslim men can take infidel women, the captives of the right hand, as sex slaves. Now, people might find that hard to believe, but it's explicit in the Quran, in chapter 4, verse 3. Yeah, those that that your right
0: hands possess.
5: Precisely. And those are specified, chapter 33, verse 50, as the spoils of war. And chapter 4, verse 24 says, you can have sex with your wives and with the captives your right hands possess. So that's exactly what they are, is sex slaves. ISIS shocked the world, horrified the world when it took the Yazidi women as sex slaves a few years back. But they were just imitating Muhammad, who did right. it himself, and his followers did it as well.
0: Yeah. Same thing in Nigeria and, uh, what was it, Boko Haram? And, Absolutely. you know, all the White House could do was send out tweets. I mean. Yeah. Bring back our girls like they were going to listen. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and another thing, Robert, the, um, this, uh, the, uh, the, uh, speaking of media in. You know, we have this false notion that this is a religion of peace and that, you know, there's just a few bad characters given a, a noble religion, or an undeserved black eye. But then also the, the, the media perpetuates this myth of a migrant crisis, as though these are just innocent people displaced by warfare. And when the Christians very rarely, since the United Nations is in charge of Determining who gets refugee status, and you have Muslims and Christians fighting in the Middle East, then they will relocate the Muslims and leave the Christians. And yeah, the Quran true. speaks about immigration as a Islamic duty. Talk about that as an extension of this uh, jihadi war that they've been waging for 1,400 years. Absolutely.
5: Uh, chapter 4, verse 100 of the Quran promises rewards from Allah to those who emigrate in the, for the sake of Allah. That is, they leave their land and go to another, not just to get a job or whatever, but for the sake of Allah, which means that they are going to bring Islam to the new land. And this is one of the rare things that Allah promises a reward for in the Quran. So many of the migrants are coming not to assimilate and adopt the uh, the practices and the principles and the mores of Europe or the United States They're coming in order to bring Islamic practices and principles and mores To their new lands and to Islamize them To emigrate mm-hmm. for the sake of
6: Allah
0: Yeah, you know, and in past um, migrations to the United States And even uh, a lot of the migration from south of the border You see people, They—they they you have a, a couple they may have children with big flap right now over separating children. Um, and then they're going to want to bring, you know, grandma and grandpa. But with this Islamic, I call it an invasion, what you see, I mean, are I don't think the media is on our side, Robert, and they're just giving us selective images of young military age men. I mean, the images we see of these migrants, but and it's very acute in Europe— I mean, sometimes you see them get off a boat and 20 or 30 of them are running in their dress. You would think they were Navy SEALs or something, big, bulky, strong guys. You know, am, am I missing something here? No, you're absolutely right. This is an invading
5: force. This is not a refugee crisis. If it were a refugee crisis, you're absolutely right. Women and children would be there in, among the refugees, whereas the overwhelming majority, probably over 90%, are young military-age men, no old men either, and no babies, no kids. It's clearly that they, these people are coming with something else in view. They are yes. not coming because they are refugees. You know, another thing also about this, they're not coming from countries where there's some refugee crisis. Syria is a war zone, absolutely. Iraq, sure, But when uh, you're talking about well, the other day I saw a story. I had a story at my website, Jihad Watch, about a sex offender in the UK who was a Turkish refugee. They said, and I thought Turkey. Turkey is not at war. What's where? What's he seeking refuge from? Mm -hmm. And clearly, these people are coming for quite different reasons.
2: The Lee brothers showing off the First Amendment and using the Second only when necessary.
5: coming with something else in view. They are yes. not coming because they are refugees. You know, another thing also about this, they're not coming from countries where there's some refugee crisis. Syria is a war zone, absolutely. Iraq, sure. But when uh, you're talking about, well, the other day I saw a story, I had a story at my website, Jihadwatch, about a sex offender in the UK who was, a Turkish refugee, they said. And I uh, thought, Turkey? Yeah. Turkey is not at war. What's, where, what's he seeking refuge from? Mm. And clearly these people are coming for quite different reasons.
0: Yeah, to, to make war and for the booty,
5: the women. Absolutely. And yeah. that's why you have the mass rapes, the rape gangs, the rape jihad. This is all something because of the captives of the right hand passages that we discussed. Mm-hmm. They think that they can just these infidel women are theirs for the taking, and they're taking them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, folks, if you're just joining us, we have Robert Spencer with us of Jihad Watch fame, and we're discussing his latest book, uh, "The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS." And um, now let's let's move on up a little bit to uh, to Spain and India. And a lot of people don't realize, but India is the, the largest English-speaking democracy in the world. Okay, India. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, and so India is a place that has, you know, a minority of Christians uh, and, and a majority of Hindus, but a very, very large percent of Muslims. And so how did they get there? And what's the, you know, I understand that the death toll of the the Muslim attack on Hindus is in the millions. You know, have I heard that correctly?
5: You're absolutely right. It's been estimated at 80 million over a period of centuries. It's an astonishing story. This is one of the first books, as a matter of fact, that tells the horrifying story of the jihad against India. And most people in the West are not aware of what happened. But the Muslims invaded India for the first time in the eighth century. They kept coming back for many centuries. They occupied most of India until their their power weakened and the British colonialists took over in the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries. But in that span, from the seventh to the seventeenth, it was about eighty million people killed. The jihad against India was especially brutal and bloody because the Quran calls the Jews and Christians the people of the book. Mm -hmm. And they are allowed to practice their religion under the Islamic State, but only with a second-class status. And the the Hindus were not people of the book. Mm -hmm. So for them, it was just convert or die. Mm
4: -hmm. And
5: even when there were, as it turned out, there were, so many Hindus that they had to give them honorary people of the book status, but even that did not alleviate the brutality of the jihad, which was much worse than anything that we saw in Europe. Even though the jihad in Europe was quite brutal and bloody as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and, and uh, now speaking of Europe, the uh, this brings my next question: nine eleven as a date, you know nine one one, and it galls me that every year on the uh, anniversary of 9-11 that, you know, my thinking is that there would be 20 people at least in the national media that would spend of just a few minutes to go into the history of why September 11th. And, it, I, I mean, and it galls me. I, usually I'm one of a very few. I could count them on one hand, you know. I mean, and some really, really big-name people, including Fox News, very, very rarely go beyond the 9-11 date, and they don't talk about, you know, the Knights of Malta. They don't talk about Jan Jablinski. They don't talk about, you know, the Ottoman Turks and how in the 1500s on September 11th they got defeated, and then 83 years later on the exact same date, September 11th, they get defeated again. And so talk about the long memory that these people have. And, and Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off no, there. No,
5: go ahead, go ahead. The thing about it is it's uh, it's incredible, really, that people don't discuss this because it is very plain. The historical memories in the Islamic world are very, very long. And in the United States, they're virtually non-existent. Most people in the United States today have no idea of things that happened maybe before 100 years ago. I don't know, That's maybe too, sounds harsh, but when you see those videos of college students being asked about the Civil War and things like that, and they have no idea. Mm -hmm. But in the Islamic world, it's very different. There's a very general and and widespread knowledge of history. And one date that sticks out in the Islamic history is September 11, 1683, which was the high-water mark of Islamic expansion into Europe when the Ottoman Turks were besieging Vienna and the uh, Polish king, Jan Sobieski came down from Poland and uh, was able to make force the Ottomans to break the siege. So on two, uh, September 11, 2001, when the planes hit the Twin Towers, Osama bin Laden was essentially signaling, now we're picking up where we left off.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: On September 11, 1683, the jihad is back on.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Again, Benghazi was September 11th, okay? So uh, we have people that are in the State Department, people in the CIA, that, I mean, you and I know this. Do we not have anyone at the switch and in the high levels of government that know that every year on September 11th, there should be a red alert all around the world? I don't think anybody knows that, no.
5: The thing is that, remember, Barack Obama in 2011, ordered that all counter terror training materials be scrubbed of any mention of Islam and jihad. And so now if you were to go into the FBI and want to study counterterrorism and become a counterterrorism analyst, then you would learn all about right wing extremists, but you aren't going to learn a thing about Islam or jihad.
2: Zero diversity, complete intolerance and a total lack of fairness. It's the Lee brothers.
5: but you aren't going to learn a thing about Islam or jihad. So you won't be equipped. You won't understand the enemy. You won't know the enemy. And September 11th will mean nothing to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's uh, that's, that's just so unfortunate. And, um, you know, now, folks, if you're just joining us, we have Robert Spencer with us. His latest book is um, The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. And it's just, it's it's, it's fascinating that uh, what you said it, it ties into things making the news now because finally, at last, uh, the former director of the uh, the CIA Brennan, who converted, I understand, converted to Islam, uh, finally got his security yeah. clearance revoked. Okay, so now your 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 last chapter is the West loses the will to live. Okay, so. What's going on with losing the will to live? I mean, we just had the Obama administration um, do their eight years. We've only had, you know, less than two years of, of President Trump. And all of these characters from from Obama and and his overtures to Iran, uh, taking boatloads of money, and of course money is fungible, so that money ends up funding terror. And Brennan being an, an open... Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee. And the brothers Lee asked me to let you guys know that they shall return, okay? But uh, you guys have to put up with the hatchet man uh, uh, just for two more hours. and Of course, until tomorrow morning, and then uh, you're another two more hours, 10 to noon. But anyway, we're going to continue with the uh, interview that I did this morning with Robert Spencer, and then we're going to have another Author, Uh, this interview will be live, though. uh, Thomas DiLorenzo, who's written a book, uh, How Millennials Were Duped About Democratic Socialism. So right now, back to Robert Spencer and his book, The History of Jihad, From Muhammad to ISIS. Convert to Islam, you know, what's going on here? And all of the noise that's, you know, half the country, the Democrats mostly, are in an uproar because Brennan finally, finally, after all this time, got his security clearance revoked.
5: It's really incredible. Brennan is not an office holder right now, so why should he have any security clearance? It should be routine that anybody, when they leave the government, loses their security clearance. This shouldn't even be an issue. And when you have somebody like Brennan, he never should have gotten it in the first place. Yeah, and,
0: uh, he's an open communist mind. as well as an open Muslim. Now, I've been hearing it for years that he's a Muslim convert. Is, is that accurate? Yes. Yeah, I don't think he's
5: an open Muslim. I've never heard it confirmed by him. But I have heard from John Guondolo, who is an FB, who was an FBI agent. He said it was known in the Bureau at the time that he was in there that, the, uh, that Brennan had converted while he served in Saudi Arabia and that everybody knew it. Now, this has never been confirmed by Brennan, and there haven't ever been any reporters with the guts to ask him. But there's no doubt that he certainly behaves in that way. Mm-hmm. He, uh, has, he, he speaks Arabic. He's shown an extensive knowledge of Islam, but he uh, is dishonest about the meaning of jihad and the nature of jihad mm-hmm. and has spoken publicly many times about how wonderful and peaceful it is. And he oversaw, actually, the scrubbing of the counter terror training materials, so that they wouldn't mention Islam or jihad. Mm -hmm. So that he's one of the reasons why that last chapter in the book is called, The West Loses the Will to Live, because here we have the people who are sworn to guard and protect us, and they are actually enabling our vulnerability, mm-hmm. and so it's a it's a ridiculous situation. But it started, of course, with Bush, and that Islam is a religion of peace business. Yes, and then with Obama, it just got exponentially worse. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and it seems that the example they give is the uh, is the five percent Muslim. And when I say five percent, and you'll know this that the uh, the the percentage of Muslims in a given non-Muslim society, their behavior. Changes when they're at five percent, you know they're they're peaceful and sweet. When they're at ten percent, you know you see what's happening in France at at ten percent, and you know you go to twenty percent, a forty percent. They don't even wait till they get to fifty percent before they start making war. I mean, am I exaggerating this? No, you're not exaggerating. The fact
5: is that uh, Muhammad himself followed the same pattern when he was just a preacher of religious ideas and he had a tiny following, then he preached peace and tolerance. And then, as he grew in power, when he moved, when he emigrated, and for the sake of Allah, from Mecca to Medina, and became for the first time a head of government and the head of a military, then he began to teach warfare against unbelievers. Mm. And uh, this is the same pattern that we're seeing now in the West, that... When the Muslims are a small minority, they preach tolerance. But as they grow in power and uh, and influence, then they begin to be more aggressive.
0: Yeah, yeah. And tell the audience, please, Robert, what the term abrogation means for people that like to cite passages in the Quran pre. Pre the uh, migration, the first the first portion of the, Magran, the Quran, which is not written, um, it's, the way it's written. It's not um, in in order of occurrence. They the uh, the scholars assembled it afterwards. Yes, and so it's
5: ri- it's assembled in the order of the longest chapter to the shortest, roughly, with the exception of the first chapter. And the uh that means that there's not really not really any logical order to it at all. It's not chronological and it is not uh somatic, nothing. Mm-hmm. But in Islamic theology there it there's a principle that's based on the ch- chapter two verse one hundred and six of the Quran, which says when we abrogate or cause to be forgotten the passage, we'll give you one that's just as good or better. And so the idea is that when a passage was revealed to Muhammad later than one that came before it. If they contradict each other, the one that comes later takes precedence. And so the significance of that is that in Muhammad's career, the violent passages come later than the peaceful ones and the tolerant ones. And so therefore, they're the ones that are valid for all time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's so unfortunate that you know here we have uh, a, a former president of the United States, two of them that. That don't get that George Bush didn't get that. I think uh, you know Barack Obama is not that he wouldn't get it. He is a is a believer in this other way. So, uh, but. Thank God we have men like you out out here, Robert Spencer, uh, well, do, doing doing the Lord's work, and uh, you know Pamela Geller and many many others, uh, and, and, and you all, uh, you know, similar. Same, and I, I have to deal with some of the same thing, the pushback that we get uh, simply by speaking the truth. But you know, God bless you, sir. And uh, any last words? Uh, on this book and, and and maybe also let folks know how they can get a hold of you and, and how they can get a copy of this book. Well, thank you. Uh, I guess the last thing I'd say is that this is
5: the first and only book that covers this entire topic, the entire history of jihad all around the world from the beginning to now. And there are a lot of foreign and domestic policy implications for this book. A lot of times, a lot of things that we have as policies today are based on fantasy and wishful thinking. And so I'm hoping this book will set things in a different direction, at least to some degree. And it's uh, available at any self-respecting bookstore. And uh, it's at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. We have uh, kind of a nice problem right now. Demand has been
0: much greater than expected, so they... I've run out of books, but they're printing I know and they'll be available soon. Yeah, I know, <laughs> because I normally would have gotten a book by now, but it was sent to me in PDF, so I know what you mean. And now, for uh, the yes. for the haters out there, Robert, tell folks where, where your source material, because I've been reading the PDF, tell folks where your source material came from primarily. Everything I've been working from primary sources,
5: from Muslim sources, you will see that I ex- quote extensively from... Muslim uh, eyewitnesses and historians who were there at the time. And I'm trying to take people back into the uh, time that these things happened and the mindset of the people who did them. A lot of the Muslim rulers had court historians who would write down what they did in glowing terms. And Mm -hmm. I relied extensively on those people because they think all this jihad is wonderful. And right. so
0: I just say what they say. Hey, there you go. There you go. Well, all right, folks, you got it there uh, from Robert Spencer himself. And uh, you got to go out and get this book. And uh, this is the battle of uh, our era, as I've been saying for years, every four generations. You know, the Civil War, the, uh, the Revolutionary War, four generations later, the Civil War, four generations later, World War II. And, Robert, right now, we're four generations after World War II. So, You're a true soldier uh, in our cause, and thank you, and God bless. Thank you, and God bless you. Well, folks, that was a fantastic interview with Robert Spencer that we were uh, honored to do this morning, and uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, as promised, we are going to have a live interview with Thomas DiLorenzo on his latest book, How the Millennials Have Been Duped with uh, Democratic Socialism.
2: Freedom isn't passed through the bloodstream, it's fought for daily. Fight alongside the Lee brothers.
1: My daddy
0: served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother, my brother... Sister and me to grow up and live happy and live welcome back to the program Virginia your nation, friendly neighborhood hatchet man. man brother Craig sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee today and folks as promised we have a fantastic guest here we uh, and you know here in the uh, in Virginia we love economics professors I mean we we are blessed to have the only economics professor in Congress uh, as our congressman Dave bratt well we have another economics professor for you today. And you're gonna love this guy, Thomas uh, DiLorenzo Lorenzo is a professor at um, Loyola University, and he's also a Mises Institute scholar, and uh, he's actually a member of the senior uh, faculty there. He's uh, author of The Real Lincoln, uh, How Capitalism Saved America, uh, Hamilton's Curse, Organized Crime, and 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 I think there are more books that I'm missing, but the the book we're gonna discuss today is the problem with socialism and uh thank you so much and uh welcome to the program. I'm glad to be with you today. Yeah, yeah. And uh you know this um the 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 young generation, you know, you make a point that the only way you can have a favorable view of socialism, there're only two ways. Either you're so old that you've forgotten history or you've never been taught history. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's that's true. There was a, uh, a an opinion poll that I cited in in the book. uh sixty nine percent of the millennial generation. You know, that's every anyone born after nineteen eighty three mm-hmm. said they could vote for a socialist for president. And so yeah. uh, that's why I wrote the book. Uh, Regnery Publishing uh, got in touch with me and said uh, we've got to do something about this because how could it be that we went through a, a century of the, the horrible disasters caused by socialism, and yeah. Venezuela today, they totally destroyed the country of Venezuela in just 15 years mm-hmm. of socialism, and, uh, and the young people, uh, I think it's a testament to uh, basically 50 years of uh, the universities becoming uh, socialist indoctrination academies, mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah, and socialism... I think, I think that's the-
0: yeah, it, socialism is really the precursor to communism, uh, you know, at least uh, you know, according to actual communists. Okay, they they say <laughs> yes, it's just a true. it's yeah. just a matter of degree and uh governing style. And so, you know, you, we we have uh the millennials didn't create themselves. They were uh they were birthed by elder generations. They've been trained by elder generations. They've been neglected by, you know, uh many who should know better and so if a guy like Franklin Roosevelt called Stalin Uncle Joe when at Malta it's uh it's been said that when 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 uh FDR said that uh God is on our side Stalin is reported to have quipped yeah but Satan is on our side Satan is a good communist <laughs> and so yeah th- th- a lot of people uh know this history why is it not being taught uh to you know what's going on in the handoff of the um like the relay race uh you know there's a breakdown in communication between generations isn't there uh well
3: yeah there is it's, it's the big problem is the the overwhelming government funding and control of education at all levels from kindergarten through uh through the PhD level there are of course exceptions you know there's liberty university and mm-hmm. hillsdale college and places like that and the online learning and, you know, I'm associated, you mentioned the Mises Institute. So there are a lot of places where young people can get, uh, educate themselves, but they're really is a drop in the ocean compared to the vast government funded university system.
4: Mm-hmm. And,
3: uh, so we shouldn't be surprised that most professors are socialists.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, they,
3: they, and they don't, who would teach them? Who would teach the kids about the truth about socialism? Yeah. Well, I have a class where, uh, I uh, gave some information from. There's a book called "Death by Government" by uh, Rudy
0: Rummel. I remember sociologist. that sociologist. Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. He has a website called uh, called Demo about mostly the communist governments of the 20th century who murdered their own people mm-hmm. by the millions just because they objected to socialism. Not not a war. These are not war related deaths,
4: mm-hmm. but
3: murder, mass murder by governments. And they had a a, a, a day where the students uh, were trying to. Uh, get other students to join their club. and my students for the Republican club on campus. And they were <laughs> Good handing for out, you. they were handing out <laughs> and they were handing out these, this table of statistics of, you know, mass murder by socialists.
4: Mm-hmm. And they, and they
3: told me that, uh, Hardly anyone walking by had ever heard of any, well, even one death under socialism in the wow. 20th century. They're totally unaware of it.
4: Yeah. And yeah. And so
3: that's that's where we are, and that's why we see these things where you have uh, you know Bernie Sanders running around promising free everything, and the young kids think, well, that'd be kind of nice. I can mm-hmm. I can be a freeloader until I'm 30. Yeah,
0: and he's uh, the only. It's, on, it's yeah. amazing. He's the only. Open and declared socialists in the Democrat Party, which is literally full of socialists. They just the rest of them, they just yeah. lie.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're they're starting to take the mask off. I can remember during the uh, the presidential election when uh, Chris Matthews interviewed Hillary Clinton, and he asked her, "What is the difference? Is there a difference between a Democrat and a socialist?" And she refused to answer. Mm-hmm. She didn't answer, and that told me that she probably thought, uh, "Well, no, there is no no difference." And she didn't want to alienate her uh, party members by Mm -hmm. saying there is a difference. So I think the the mask is finally off. Uh, I consider, like, you know, Bernie, I I have respect for Bernie Sanders because he's a truthful man. He called himself a socialist,
4: Mm -hmm. and and he
3: is, and, and many of the rest of them are. But they, they used, uh, you know, euphemisms like liberals or progressives or mm-hmm. something like that.
0: And they're so and, illiberal, uh, they're not even mm-hmm. really liberal. They, they just, uh, I call them neoliberals. But look, we're, we're up against yeah. a break uh, here. Could you hold over and, uh, you know, maybe come back on the other side of the break? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> I appreciate it. And if you're just joining us, folks, we have Thomas Lorenzo. The book is The Problem with Socialism. We'll be right back.
2: Zero diversity, complete intolerance, and a total lack of fairness. It's the Lee Brothers.
0: Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee. Today, our guest is Thomas J. Uh, Lorenzo uh, of the book, Is the problem with socialism And uh, of course uh, you all out there Most of you know the problem with socialism But we have a a bunch of young folks That have been either uh, purposely mistaught Or uh, not taught things they should have been taught And uh, now one of the things that I learned And I knew Sweden was an oversold uh, uh, bill of goods But I didn't realize that Sweden was this bad that it's less than our poorest state, Mississippi.
3: Uh, Yeah, the story of Sweden, you know, you had people like Bernie Sanders, who I mentioned before, and uh, and Hillary Clinton. They're always uh, holding out uh, the Norwegian countries, and Sweden especially, as a model for America. And the the story about Sweden is in the late 19th and early 20th century, it was a a low-tax, limited-government country, uh, that favored uh, entrepreneurship and free enterprise. And it was, it was the fastest growing country economically for many years. I think from 1870 till 1950, it was first or second in, the, in economic growth. And then the Swedes adopted uh, socialism, their version of socialism.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: the Swedish Academy of Economics, which is the, the uh, academic economics profession in Sweden, uh, did a study and they found out that from 19. Um, 50 until 1995 they did not create a single net new job in the whole country of Sweden oh, wow. so they pretty much destroyed capitalism <laughs> they lived off of the, the capital that had been accumulated and produced by earlier generations
4: and Grandpa. they eventually
3: decided they ran out of money <laughs> as they always do And so they started printing money like crazy, as as socialist countries always do, to bail out their politicians. And they ended up with 500% interest rates in the 1980s. And so they've cut way back. And, you know, today uh, the Heritage Foundation and other organizations put together what they call an Index of Economic Freedom, which is basically Mm -hmm. a measure of how capitalistic versus how socialistic a country is. And the, the index number for Sweden is almost identical to the United States. Ooh. So they've been rushing in our and in, and in, in, into the direction of more freedom, more economic freedom. We've been going in the other direction. Wow, that For should be a, a warning point. to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, catching, we're about equal to them now. Mm. And their prime minister, by the way, adamantly denies they are any longer a socialist country.
4: Wow.
0: So uh,
3: Bernie Sanders, uh, he talks about the Sweden of the 1960s mm-hmm. when he says, though it's today." Like
0: Sweden. And, I, and I hate to do this, but now we have a hard news break. Could you hold one more time, please? Sure, I could do that. Okay, great. Thank you. Thomas J.D. Lorenzo, folks, we will be right back.
2: Her heart strong and true. Representing the end of political correctness, it's the Lee brothers.
0: Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee today. And uh, we're blessed to have with us Thomas uh, DiLorenzo. Uh, he is not only a scholar at the Mises Institute, but he is also a professor of economics at Loyola University. And uh, we're discussing his latest book, The Problem with Socialism. And, uh, you know, here we are uh Again, another season of we're sending our children off to these uh, uh, so-called universities. Okay, and folks, please buy this book and put it in your child's um, uh, luggage. Okay, and uh, you know, so when when they call you and say, you know, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, where's my money? You can tell them, hey, well, I stuck it inside that book that uh, Mister DiLorenzo Lorenzo wrote. <laughs> the problem, the problem with socialism. So they'd be guaranteed to open your book, sir but um, you know a lot idea. of yeah yeah a, a lot of um of, of the way that this uh socialism is sold i think is the uh the healthcare uh issue which is uh this is uh this goes back to plato and hippocrates you know plato wanted the government yeah. to employ doctors uh, hippocrates wanted the doctor to have a individual relationship with each and every patient and not have the government be the go between and it seems nothing has changed. And you're talking 2,500 years.
3: Uh, yeah. it's you know it. Well, one of the things I found out, you know, this book was written primarily for millennials, for the young people. It's written in easy-to-understand language, uh, although it's, there are hundreds of footnotes to document everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, on that issue of health care, uh, a lot of them are, are on board. They hear Bernie Sanders and others talk about free health care. And I point out to them that... Uh, uh, you know who's going doctors don't work for free nurses don't work for free how could it be that you could free healthcare
4: mm-hmm.
3: and and then basically i tell them what they're saying is uh, we cannot afford doctors and nurses and hospitals but we can afford doctors and nurses and hospitals plus a giant new federal bureaucracy with hundreds of thousands of bureaucrats <laughs> right. uh, running every aspect <laughs> of the healthcare business we can't afford that and 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 they immediately catch on, yeah and think a and, good way and a lot to put of them and resentful, become resentful because they 've been snookered, they realize they've been mm-hmm. pissed, been conned, and uh and they turn around pretty quickly, so if we can mm-hmm. educate the young people uh you know when we can, uh, I think we can make some real progress on mm-hmm. things like this,
0: yeah, now, on my end, i'm getting a little uh resistance through your phone are you in on in a location that might be a little um out in the boondocks? Uh, no, I'm in a building that's a big cement building. Maybe now that could be an issue. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm standing by a window. Okay, <laughs> yeah, good. Maybe move around a little bit uh, by that window. And uh, Anyway, okay, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, on the health care issue, uh, in, uh, in Detroit, the number one uh, demographic that uses Detroit hospitals, Are Canadians. And, and I think it was the, one of the men, I don't know if it was the prime minister or some big, uh, official in Canada when he needed surgery, he went to Florida. When Castro needed surgery, he went to Spain. Um, you know, Charlie guard and little, uh, Alfie Evans, uh, their parents were not allowed to take them out of the country. So it, it can't be just about the money. Um, so what's, what's, the, what's the deeper reason for the government uh, wanting to take over uh, health care? I mean, is it really what hypocrisy said, that the, the government would have life and death over you? Yeah, I believe so. I think that is really uh, is it. You know, an old, a friend of mine is uh,
3: Judge Andrew Napolitano. who's was on the Fox
4: News oh, channel. Oh, great guy. Mm-hmm.
3: And then, yeah, and he's a he's a personal friend of mine, and he's a great guy. And he uh, he gave a speech at the Mises Institute uh, a couple years ago, uh, and he he uh, he says you know what, what motivates a lot of these people is what he calls libido dominante, you know the Latin term, and it means the lust to dominate, to dominate other people. Has nothing to do with sex or anything with libido, but it's lust to dominate other people. And every society has some segment uh, of society, I think, that has people that are like that. They just want to control other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say that Hillary Clinton would be like a museum. Oh, my of that
4: kind. Talk of, about a lot of
3: <laughs> And so yeah, and so so if, if if you literally have you know life and death decision making uh, in the hands of, of politicians. Uh, well how much more power than that could you have? Because, right. you know, we, we have examples of Canada. Like you said, the the Canadian government, by the way, they spend over a billion dollars with a B uh paying for health care of Canadians who come to the United States because they have such massive shortages of any of everything. You know, when you make stuff free, people want as much as they can get of oh, it.
4: Oh, yeah. But
3: so we don't have enough we don't have enough doctors and nurses and x ray machines and all that to give everybody everything they want and so you have massive shortages you know people it's it's not uncommon for people in Canada and England if they have uh, like when they need knee surgery or hip replacement surgery to wait two years Mm. before they can get it and i'll tell you i've had hip replacement surgery myself a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and i was at the point where i could barely walk up uh flight of stairs the arthritis was so bad if you can imagine having to endure that for two years yes uh, if you don't have the money if you're if you're wealthy enough Mm -hmm. no problem you go to the united states but if you're not you're just out of luck in England or or mm-hmm. Canada places that have socialized medicine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, how are you uh attacking the tax issue? This is another thing that young people uh seem that this they throw this term around fair share and it seems to me a a real simple thing to start calling it an unfair share. It seems to me that a fair share would be everyone um you know gets a bill in the mail if you have a 100 million uh, earning families you you and you have a hundred billion dollar budget you send everyone a bill for a thousand dollars that's cool. fair and in there, anything other than that and we willingly do it we willingly uh have a progressive uh income tax so that you know the guy that makes more pays more so why are we continually uh calling it a fair share why don't we call it, it it's an unfair share but We who are more blessed, we willingly give more, Uh, you know, even, you know, a flat 10 percent. The the guy Mm -hmm. who makes a million dollars, he's going to pay a hundred thousand. The guy that makes a thousand dollars, he's going to pay a hundred. It's still not equal. But, you know, why do we cede control of the language when words mean what they mean?
3: Yeah, we should not. It's all based on envy, which is one of the seven deadly sins, by the way. And so, yes. uh, yeah, that's exactly the thing I say in my classrooms. I ask the students, if you made 20000 a year and you had a 10% tax, how much tax do you pay? And then and I say, well, what if mom and dad made 200000 a year? How much would they pay at 10%? And they understand that, yeah, you know, they pay a lot more in money. Than than you do, and just getting out of college, and and it and it sinks in right away. And then you know we you know we've got these IRS statistics I have on a page one twenty six of my book. The top fifty percent of income earners in the United States pay more than ninety seven percent of all income taxes,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: so it's very steeply uh, progressive. And so uh, yeah, we we punish uh, you know, hard work and and uh, savings and thriftiness. And all the things that enable people to become high income earners and uh and then we give the money away to people who don't you know some people you know we do have charitable programs that help people, yeah, but then there are a lot there are also a lot of people who don't really need the help and yeah. take advantage
0: They're of the scamming you know, and we're so, not you yeah. know we're not and, mean people uh conservatives are not mean people, but uh, you know because we want to you know do something like your example of the of the ten percent the the upper end guy, upper income guy at 10% he's throwing a whole lot more money in the pot but you know we, we it 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 seems to be a very very easy argument to make and uh, there's too few people like yourself out here willing to make that argument
3: yeah, i guess it crowds out private charity too that is almost always <clears throat> excuse me more efficient than than government welfare programs
4: mm-hmm. you know you can't
3: have charity unless you have Capitalism, you know, capitalism is what creates the income and the wealth that we can use to give away. You know, in addition to our time that we spend helping helping others among us. But uh, that—that's another point that I make in my classes and I'm mm-hmm. trying to make that in my books is that you know you do away with the more you do away with capitalism, the more you're going to do away with. Our means to help our fellow man uh, mm-hmm. uh, voluntarily, yeah. either with money and, and, and our time, because our time, you know, we're going to have to start working more just to support our families. Yeah, uh, the yeah. higher the taxes are. Yeah, and so, uh, and so that's another. One. I think you know Charles Murray, the political scientist, wrote about this many years ago about how as government programs grew people have the attitude of uh, well why should I take care of my parents in their old age, the government's taking care of
4: them Mm -hmm. why
3: should I educate my own children the government's educating my children Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people step back the more government does and that needs to be reversed if we're going to We're going
0: to thrive as a society, in my opinion. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Now, what's your next book coming up? This one is, uh, this is really great, folks. Uh, The Problem with Socialism. And remember now, you got to buy two, one for yourself and one for that college kid that's on his way. And look, don't wait till he goes to college. If he's in high school, buy him one. You know, where can folks get it? Uh, Well, it's for sale wherever books are sold. They can get it at
3: Amazon.com or Mm BarnesandNoble.com. Any bookstore can get it for you if they don't have it on the shelves. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, any website information you'd like to give out where folks can connect with you?
3: Uh, uh, Well, I'm a columnist for a website called LewRockwell.com. It's a man's name, L-E-W-Rockwell.com. And I've got hundreds of articles on there, and uh, you can, they can read some of my articles on the, on there if, if they
0: become interested. Okay, great, and I'm sure they will. So, listen, thank you so much. God bless you, and much success with the book. And same to you, sir. Thank you very much, Hatchet Man, for having me on this afternoon. <laughs> All, right. Okay, take, take All right, my pleasure. Bye now. All right. Well, all right, folks, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, 804 454 1366 is the number 804 454
2: 1366. Making radio great again.
0: It's the Lee brothers. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee today. And, uh, hey, you folks drive carefully out there. You capitalists who've been out uh, working hard, earning a living, uh, making sure that the uh, the non-capitalists uh, are able to survive out there. And, uh, you know, traffic can be kind of rough here on a Friday, so... Uh, sit back, relax, uh, enjoy your friendly neighborhood hatchet man sitting in for the Lee Brothers. If you'd like to call in, the number is 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. Um, we really, really appreciate uh, the two gentlemen that we've had, been blessed to have as interviews today. And uh, I want to remind you all that tomorrow uh, the uh, there's this event at Clover Hill Church, and it's going to be from 10... To two, it's a women's prayer rally. Okay, women on the warpath, and I, I think this is in a good way, folks. So, <laughs> you know, when you say women on the warpath, some folks put their hands up and say, "Ah!" <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> but this is in a good way, women. Women on the warpath, and um, one one of the things, uh, and I, they've asked me to. Um, Participate and uh, so they're talking about the seven mountains of societal influence uh which are religion, family, education, government, media, arts and entertainment, and business okay and so um, I'll do a little something there on uh, media as one of the uh, seven uh mountains of societal uh influence and now of course i'll be here from 10 to noon uh my program the really real deal so as soon as my program is over i will be hightailing it over to clover hill church and so i should get there about 12 30 or so and uh we want to say uh hello to chief joe calling from williamsburg chief joe what's on your mind brother
7: Hey, Brother Craig. We, first and foremost, we, we worship a great God. Amen. Uh, we, we, uh, I sit here and I am in awe as I watch the, uh, the prophecies of Daniel and revelations unfold right before our eyes here in our own nation. Unfortunately, uh, if prophecy and if my understanding of it is correct, uh, this nation must decrease in order for God's plan to uh, come to fruition. And it's uh, troubling that we live in these times, but ultimately we all have to remember that we've already, God has already won that victory for us. Mm-hmm. That, being, that being said, the entire concept, uh, if your listeners want to see something scary, I would recommend they go pick up the National Geographic from May of 2018 and look at the demographics of, the, of where uh, members of the Muslim faith are taking up residency in our country in key industrial points and key political points throughout our country and geographic points, their numbers are increasing
0: exponentially. Oh, yes, yes. And see, now I don't know if you've been listening to the program since the beginning uh, today, but I interviewed Robert Spencer uh, in the first hour of the program. And so one of the things that we were talking about is that the Quran directs Muslims to immigrate for the sake of Allah, meaning you're not just immigrating willy-nilly; you're immigrating with a purpose. And that uh, quite often you will see uh, military-aged men. You're not seeing old men or women or children. You're seeing groups of big, strong men. A lot of them look like built like Navy SEALs, and uh, you know they're not coming to play footsie, okay? And so this is just uh, you know I used to live out in New Mexico. And, uh, and it just came to light uh, here recently that there was a training camp out in New Mexico where they were literally uh, training teenage children to go to school next month and shoot their classmates, okay? This is the religion of peace, all right? Islam. And so, you know, you're, you're absolutely right.
7: i the- watch these things unfold, and I am rest assured— that, uh, God will see it through, see us through this whole nine yards. I'm not afraid to profess that. But yeah. again, it's, it's so sad to sit there and see my time, our, our fate is sealed. We are the children of God. We're washed in blood and we will, uh, even for a moment of suffering, we will have an eternity of glory. I look around my country, my fellow countrymen who don't believe this and don't, uh, write off on it. And I, I quiver because God is just.
0: Yeah, and yeah, you, you're right, and it's you're right, and it's going to get ugly. And if people want to see how ugly it can get, just look at Europe. Europe is twenty years in front of us.
7: Amen. And like I said, I um, I, I just don't know where else to go with this. You know, uh, the, the canary in the coal mine, and uh, yet I see more and more people infatuated with Islam, and. Uh, again, I warn against it. My own personal opinion of it is it, it is a, uh, of satanic origin. Any uh, religion that, that basically denies the crucifixion of Christ, how can it be anything but satanic? That yeah. uh, denies the very tenet of the truth. So.
0: Yeah, well, I really appreciate your call, Joe. Uh, keep Thank listening. We've got to take a quick break here, and uh, God bless you. All right, folks, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for the Lee brothers.
2: The Lee brothers, showing off the First Amendment and using the second only when necessary.
0: Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee, uh, the number if you'd like to participate although it would have to be a really quick one for this hour <laughs> 804-454-1366 804-454-1366 and um you know I'm I'm hearing um but we listen we have one more hour news break coming up in about uh what a uh, minute and a half or so anyway i've been hearing a lot about how energized uh, the Democrats are and that they there's going to be this uh, tremendous uh, blue wave coming up in November. And uh, I'm telling you, folks, uh, I voted yesterday in the Republican primary. And uh, and I'm telling you, Dan took it uh, big time. OK, I think 77 percent out of uh, well over uh, 2000 votes. The Democrats had a primary uh, in that same building a, a week or two ago. Whereas we had 2000, I think, 2017 people cast their ballot. In the Democrat primary, 119 cast their ballot, okay? So you tell me what color is the wave gonna be blue or red, okay? (laughs) Anyway, we're gonna take our top of the hour news break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the program, Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee on the Lee Brothers radio program. The number here, if you would like to call in and our final hour of the day. And uh, hey, it's uh, these first two hours have really flown by fast, folks. And uh, so, hey, if you'd like to participate, 804-454-1366 is the number 804-454-1366. Six And, uh, yeah, we had a caller online during the news break, and uh, we lost you. So if you're there uh, just uh, holding on, uh, hang up and dial back, okay? 804-454-1366. Now, uh, again, we—oh, uh, before I get to that, let me talk about the challenge that I issued, okay? We had this—I um, don't know if you'd call it a Facebook battle or— Well, I don't know, maybe it was a Facebook battle, but anyway, there was a a friend of mine put a post up, a picture of a church that had a huge sign on the church that says black lives matter, okay? And so uh, he posted the picture with a comment under it, uh, you know, something to the effect of uh, a church should reach out to all people and all lives should matter, okay, Because this is the attitude of God that we all matter, okay? And it's you know shouldn't be you know white lives matter or Asian lives matter or black lives matter or the rich matter or the poor matter. You know everyone should matter. And so, I I reposted it and then I typed my take on it and. I'm telling you, that thing has traveled all over the United States of America with uh, comments from all kinds of people in, 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 well, I can't say all 50 states, but many, many states, okay? Uh, people are commenting, uh, most are commenting uh, positively, that they're in agreement, uh, you know, that for the most part, folk, folks are just fed up with this stuff you know, in particular on our side of the aisle, and yes, I said our side, okay, because one of the people that complained to me complained about me using the word of, you know, sides, okay, or that there are no sides, and it's it's ridiculous to think that there are no sides, you know, I mean, you know, the Bloods and the Crips against the cops, that, that, those are sides, okay, um, You know, communism versus capitalism and the wars that have been fought, those are sides, okay? The Civil War, the North and the South, those are sides, okay? The Revolutionary War prior to that, you know, America and the patriots against England and the loyalists right here in our own nation that wanted to stay with England, which was one-third of the people living here, by the way, okay? Not an insignificant uh, group of people, all right? And uh, and a lot of them were uh, powerful and influential. And one of the main reasons they stuck with England is because they were satisfied with the status quo and didn't want anything to change. You know, sound familiar? You know, you anti-Trump folks out there. uh, This is just how it is. Folks that are getting a good result from current situations, they don't look at how... Good or harmful it is to the rest of society They look at how good or harmful it is to them personally Okay This was true in the Revolutionary War This was true four generations later in the Civil War This was true in World War II I mean, never forget now The Kennedy family got rich uh, uh with joe kennedy being a war profiteer uh he was ambassador to germany and so he used those connections to do business with the germans okay and that uh along with during the prohibition years the um the kennedy family uh selling uh bootleg liquor okay this and the, with mafia ties this is how they got rich okay these are the democrats all right you know slavery in the, in the uh, civil war Democrats, okay? Drugs, pharmacia. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the Delano family, okay? Opium. The Delano family owned the ships in the opium trade that took the opium to China. Okay, and and this is, you know, one of the reasons why the Chinese have an attitude today, okay? Can you blame them? Okay, again, Democrats, okay? So, drugs, liquor, war profiteering, slavery, okay? Democrat, 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 all right? And uh, fighting against slavery, Republican. Fighting for uh, black enfranchisement, Republican. Fighting for women to get the right to vote, Republican, okay? And so, Today, what do you have? All right? Fighting for equality. Republican. All of a sudden, equality doesn't look so good because people want to say, well, because of the past history of racism, you have to give the black man an extra advantage. Well, what are you going to give the black man an extra advantage over the person that came here recently? The person that whose family never owned a slave? The person who had no advantage whatsoever, you know, just an ordinary guy, you know, what about a, you know, a coal miner's son or daughter out of, uh, you know, Appalachia, you know, a black guy needs an advantage over him. I mean, come on folks. When do we get over this? Okay. When, all right. And which side is living the legacy of the late great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who? said not that hey in perpetual in, in, in you know forever in a day I want free stuff for blacks no what he said was I pray for the day when my four little children can grow up in an America where they will be judged by what the content of their character not the color of their skin okay and so you know I, I send this thing out my friend sends it out, you know, against Antifa and all of this 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 uh this this violence, okay? And these people that perpetuate this violence, they say, oh, well, we're doing it because you all are racist. And now I don't see white people doing this. I'm I'm sorry. I just don't see it. Okay. As a matter of fact, if folks want to talk about the uh instances of uh when it's uh an unfortunate occurrence. That a young male gets gunned down by a uh, police officer. Okay, uh, Walter Williams had a really great article uh, a couple of days ago, and I posted that up on my Facebook. Matter of fact, if you want to go to my Facebook, it's Craig Johnson on Facebook. Go there, hit me up, send me a friend request. Okay, uh, you can also you can reach me through our website, thereallyrealdeal.com, The really real deal. Dot com and just you know check out what we've been doing for the last ten years, okay uh anyway this uh, th- this issue of police, the point I was making was that there was a case and it's I'm just gonna cite one there are many, many many like this, okay, but there was a case out in Utah a black uh Utah state trooper had the unfortunate incidents to shoot an unarmed nineteen year old male okay. The 19-year-old male was high on drugs, had earplugs in his ears, did not understand the command that the police officer, the police officer gave him a lawful command. The young man did not understand it. Uh, did, I don't know if he just didn't hear it or if he was inebriated, but for whatever reason, the young man made a move that the police officer interpreted uh, as uh, potentially violent, and he shot him dead. But, and again, very, very unfortunate, but what happened was the young man was white. The white people in Utah, they did not riot, they did not protest, it didn't make national media, it made local Utah media, and many of you have never heard about it, because it was not a white police officer, and it was not a black victim, okay, and so I repeat, All lives matter, not just black lives matter. And I'm challenging Democrats in Virginia to have a public forum. And I would like to sit on a stage with these people. And I've been sending that out over social media. And we're going to find out if there are any Democrats in Virginia that have the nerve to sit on a stage with Brother Craig, the hatchet man, and, and, you know, we can open it up to whomever uh, uh, wants to get in on this, but let's just discuss this as an issue and not as an um, emotional talking point. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
2: Want to help Richard prove Scott's wrong once and for all? Call the Lee Brothers at 454-1366, 454-1366.
0: Welcome back to the program, Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee as we listen to a little bit of the late, great Aretha Franklin. Uh, Hey, you got to think, and it really is. She really is right. It's all about freedom. And uh, hey, um, 804-454-1366 is the number if you would like to participate, 804-454-1366. You know, back on the subject I was sharing with you, the good news is that, you know, uh, blacks and, and you know and other minorities with brown skin are not falling for it this time. Okay, this case in point: this silliness with Omarosa, the silliness with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, this 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 joker says the national anthem is a slave song. Okay, and it's I mean you you can't make this stuff up, folks. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's gotten to be so ridiculous that uh, it's reaching a saturation point and people are beginning to reject it, particularly in light of the success of the Trump economy. And uh, and, and folks are looking at, hey, you know, if it's going to help my pocketbook. You know, even for some people that are mature enough to not personally like uh, President Trump, I like Trump, okay, but you don't have to like him. But look at results, not a minutia. And we want to welcome Chuck to the program, calling all the way from uh, down in Emporia. And uh, how's our reception down there in Emporia, Chuck?
1: Uh, you got an outstanding signal down here, uh, Bratcher.
0: All right, all right. Uh, what's on your uh, mind, sir?
1: Do you, do you remember that uh, biology teacher, Marcus? I believe Peters, that was shot uh, around about a month and a half ago. He was naked, and uh, the police officer tried to tase him.
0: I do remember people. hearing something about uh, someone naked, and uh, in, in, this was in Richmond, right? That's right, that's right. I, I did was, not know he was a teacher, though.
1: Yes, he had graduated from uh, VCU uh, around about a, maybe two or three years ago. And he was a biology teacher there in the area there and, so uh, uh
0: was him being naked? was that a biology demonstration?
1: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know but uh, but uh uh he was uh, naked rolling around uh in in the highway, and the police officer gave him a command. he was charging at the uh, police officer he he shot him. At him with a taser, so that didn't have any effect.
4: but wow. so Then he
1: had to go ahead and uh, use his uh, 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 use deadly force on him. Wow. And then uh, I saw that his family members they were they were lawyered up, and mm-hmm. they had these protests going on and so forth, and uh, like they're trying to uh, get some money out of the city. I saw that the mayor the mayor met with him at one town mm-hmm. town meeting uh, and and. Uh, so, I was trying to just get your take on it. <laughs> well,
0: now, this is my take. Very recently, I was honored to uh sit in on some police training through the uh law enforcement legal Defense fund, okay, And uh, they invited uh, members of the media to come in and participate. Uh, and what we did was we used the same uh citizen interaction. Um, I forget forget what you call it. It's like a simulator. You have a gun that rather than have bullets, it has a laser. And there's a computer. There's a screen. And so uh, there are different situations where people come at you. They're shouting. They're cursing. Either they have a weapon or they don't have a weapon. They may have a knife, a crowbar, a gun, or they may not have a weapon. And so you as the police officer, you in a split second – you have to figure out what's going on, okay? Now, this is what happened to me. As I, And this is the same training that police officers go through. The first, I went through it four times. The first time, I got stabbed. The second time, I got shot. The third time, I said, well, shucks, I'm not getting stabbed and shot anymore. So I shot a guy that I should not have shot because he didn't have a gun. He had a crowbar. Okay. And I never look, I wasn't waiting around to see if he was gonna charge at me because now had he later in the video, had he charged at me with it, he I could have shot shot him. Okay. But I thought he was grabbing a gun and so I shot him. And so that was three, three bad moves on my part. I'm dead twice and I've shot a, a man once. The fourth time I finally got it right, Chuck, I shot the bad guy before he could shoot me. And so, now this is just assimilation. So imagine you're a police officer and this is real. You there, Chuck?
1: uh, Yeah, yeah, that's right there. And like, uh, a lot of these, I was talking to my uh, sister-in-law about it, and she said, uh, because he was naked, you could see he wasn't armed. And then, let
0: me, look, we're up against a break. Can you hold on? Because this is a, this is important and if you hold on, I'll, I'll I'll touch on the reason for that when we come back. Okay. Okay. All right, brother Craig, the Hatchet Man, sitting in for the Lee Brothers.
2: Kind, compassionate, and tolerant. Oh wait, that's a different show. The Lee Brothers.
0: Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on the Lee Brothers radio program. And, uh, yeah, Sister Aretha, I could use all the prayer I can get, I'll tell you. uh, Oh, I love that song. I'll say a little prayer for you. And uh, she surely will be missed. And uh, right now we have Chuck from Emporia. And Chuck brought up an excellent point uh, which uh, now this is one of the things I was thinking chuck is very similar to what you said that if the guy was naked You could see he wasn't armed and prior to this training I used to think that about people who had for example a knife and I would think well Wow, why would you shoot a guy with a knife unless he was like really really close to you if the you know If he's uh, far off uh, You really don't have to shoot him and uh, but what i found out was that uh and in the simulation remember i got stabbed okay and the uh the trainer uh did a live demonstration with me where he uh took a knife and was walking back and forth uh like the you know and he was mumbling something you know as though he was not a real threat to me but he was just confused or whatever and 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 so and I relaxed and then I I had one hand on the gun and other hand I lifted it up to say well sir could would you please just calm down and tell me what's going on and before I could get the gun out he was on me and had stabbed me okay and so what what happens in these situations where a person they either they have a knife and you can see that it's a knife and it's not a gun or if they have a a baseball bat a crowbar a pipe or if they are unarmed, okay, but they are coming at you, what happens, particularly in cases where a person has been tased and they continue to come, the adrenaline has taken over so much that the taser has no effect. And there are many police officers who are dead because they didn't take a guy out that was coming at them. They felt sorry. And the guy took the officer's gun and killed them with it, okay? As was attempted to happen in the case of the brown boy in, um, in, in um, St. Louis, okay? And so, did that answer your question, Chuck? All right. Yes, yes, brother. After you take care. You have a nice weekend. Okay. Thank you, now. You too. Well, all right, folks. We'll be right back. 804 454 1366. Brother Craig sitting in for the Lee brothers.
2: Scott and Richard Lee, the circus clowns of talk radio.
0: Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee. Our final 30 minutes of today's program, and, uh, well, maybe a little less than 30 minutes uh, at this point, but uh, we would love to hear from you out there. The phone number here, if you would like to participate, 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. 66. Six. And uh we had Charles on the line earlier. He had to go, but before he left, he sent uh a Facebook message watching me on the on the Hatchet Cam on, on Facebook. And uh uh Charles wanted to ask about what's going on with the uh terror training camp where they had the children out in New Mexico. And uh he seemed to uh indicate that he thought that the um authorities out there had bulldozed it, and I'm sitting here. Uh, trying to uh, pull it up online And uh, I have not yet been able to pull anything up That would verify that But uh, I'm telling you, if that's the case I would not be surprised at all Okay, uh, for one thing this, uh, this, this, this training camp with these children these in filthy conditions Okay, um, one child was found dead Okay, three or four years old uh, They were malnourished uh, they were nasty and and they were being trained to kill fellow students. and here we are you know gearing up to uh, you know get our children uh, books, clothes, uh, computers, uh, things to go to school to succeed and these people they're preparing their children to kill your children, okay And so and and, and people are spending all this energy on Trump hatred, okay? Trump's trying to keep your hind parts safe. Trump's trying to keep your children safe. So it's like Trump cares. It's the same thing I say about myself. I care more about these people's grandchildren than they care, okay? I don't want your, your children or your grandchildren to be killed. I don't want a pedophile to have access to your children and grandchildren. But these neoliberal uh, Democrats, you know, they take the side of the terrorists, They take the side of the Muslim population, and I get it that not all of the billion-plus Muslims uh, want to kill you. But since I'm not a mind reader, and these people that uh, favor them, nor are they. They're not mind readers. None of us is a mind reader, okay? So you have over a billion people, and you have uh, what? Is it 10%? Is it 5%? Is it 20%? Who knows what the percent is, okay? What we do know, it is not 0%, okay? Even if it were as minuscule as 1%, okay? 1% of a billion is 100 million. So here you have, so let's just say it's the lowest number. So you have an army with 100 million people, okay? Is our army 100 million strong? Our whole nation is only 300 million strong. Okay, so a hundred million people is like one third of our entire nation. Okay, so come on, folks, come on. This is just common sense, and it gets to the point of uh, it's almost ridiculous the short-sightedness of these selfish people that, for their own personal gain, they sow discord in this nation, and this is done purposefully. And what do you get from the low-fat Republican crowd? You know, who are afraid to voice any opinion that the New York Times or MSNBC or CNN can uh, come and say, well, hey, Senator so-and-so is mean. I mean, really? Really? Okay? Truth has a cost to it, folks. And we have to be willing to tell the truth. And you have to understand that there is there are going to be people out here that are going to have your back. When people see you willing to speak up and tell the truth, I'm speaking to people in leadership now, people in media, people in politics, people who, uh, you know, high up in the military. And it's, it's so saying probably the biggest thing that's a disappointment to me. And look, and I'm a tough guy. There's not much that disappoints me because I understand the way the world works, okay? But, you know, all my life I've always had this great respect and admiration for the military, and uh, particularly our service academies. You take a place like West Point where they have a, a, a motto there. They say a cadet will not lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate those who do. And as I analyze the state of politics in the United States of America, Okay, and I see particularly not that the Republican side is pure there. There anything that involves human beings is not pure. So let's just take uh, 100 percent purity. We take that off the table. But we cannot pretend that the level of. Wickedness, selfishness, self-serving, we cannot pretend that between Republican and Democrat it's a 50 50 split. Nor can we pretend even that it's close. We can't say, well, it's 60-40, hatchet man, big whoop, you know, uh, Democrats are 10% worse than Republicans. We we can't even say that, okay? If we could say it was 80-20, you know, I think it's worse than 80-20, to tell you the truth. And so when we see that you have Democrat generals, okay, Democrat graduates of West Point, and I see the Democrat Party, and I'm again, not you, Mon Pa Democrat. Just like when I beat up on Republicans, I'm not talking about Mon Pa Republican, okay? I'm talking about, you know, Mitch McConnell, you know, Republicans of that ilk, okay? Um, you know, not your ordinary, even though some of you, you know, support these middle of the road guys, that's fine. I'm trying to educate you and convert you. I want to have a conversation with you. Okay, I'm not condemning you, and it's the same thing when I uh, speak truth uh, towards the Democrat Party. I'm not condemning Ma and Pa Democrat. I want to educate you, uh, and if I'm wrong, maybe you can educate me. But in a, in either event, I want a conversation. Okay, just like when I challenge these uh, Democrat uh, leaders uh, here in Virginia uh, to have a debate or have a public forum on this Black Lives Matter uh, issue. Okay, which sends a negative signal to young black males that somehow, uh, you know, there has to be this special effort made to tell you that black lives matter because uh, the root of this is an assumption that the police officers do not think black lives matter, that they are somehow cavalier with a black life where they're more caring with a non-black life. And it's just it's absolutely asinine. The statistics uh, don't bear it out. And it's not that the leaders that make these assertions are somehow mistaken. The data is there. This is purposely done because people benefit from bloodshed. Okay. And so maybe many of you don't want to hear this, even when it's preachers. Okay? Yeah, it's 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 you know, it's it's preachers. Read the book of Malachi about the pre- or there are many, it's not just Malachi, but you know, the Lord says that these preachers have failed. And in Malachi, what do they do? They put up a, uh, they protest. Oh, no, we're not bad. We're not wicked. You are bad. You are wicked. Word of God says that there would be people like this in leadership in God's kingdom. And they were there then, and they are there now, okay? And they're in all institutions. It's not just the church, okay? And we, it's easy to point to the uh, the thousand uh, violent rapes in uh, the Pittsburgh Diocese in the Catholic Church, okay? 1,000, okay? 1,000. It's all institutions. It's the military. It's the church. It's the government. You know, obviously media, okay? Obviously. But see, it's, it's easy to point at media because you have so many idiots that are willing to go out there and advertise themselves as such. You know, this chick Omarosa, all right? The woman wrote a book title, The Bitch Switch, okay? Turn it off and turn it on and learn how to turn it off and turn it on, okay? So she's referring to herself as a female dog, okay? So it's easy to see, you can see Omarosa a mile away, but what about a general, okay? What about a a general who has a bunch of stars on his chest, okay? What are you going to do about him? What are you going to do? You know, General uh, uh, Wesley, okay? What are you going to do about him? Brennan. What are you going to do about him? Now, where Brennan, he was easy to spot because he, he, he should never have had a security clearance. Brennan voted for the communist candidate back in 1980 for president, okay? He couldn't vote for Ronald Reagan. He couldn't vote for Jimmy Carter. You, you want to tell me Jimmy Carter is not communist enough for you? Okay. But then again, Jimmy Carter was just weak. Jimmy, Well, I don't want to get into reading a man's mind. It was some some wickedness, but I, I think in general, I wouldn't say he was totally wicked, uh, like you could just say a communist of, to, of, of today's ilk, okay? But progressively, these uh, politicians, they've gotten worse and worse and worse, or at a minimum, They've gotten bolder and bolder and bolder, and they're more willing to reveal the inner workings of their hearts and minds because they feel like the atmosphere is more conducive for them to come out. Okay, and so but this folks, these are real uh, issues out here. And uh, but look, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, if you'd like to participate, 804-454-1366 is the number 804-454. 1366, Brother Craig sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee.
2: Our version of the Federalist Papers, without all that reading, it's the Lee brothers.
0: Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee today. And folks, let me tell you, uh, for the last 10 years, I've been hearing these low fat Republicans in the state of Virginia proclaim oh we we need a guy that can win in northern Virginia oh I, you know I know no i I know what we need. We need a guy that can win with our minorities, okay, folks I have there's a guest on the line, and I'm so sorry we couldn't reach him. I've been trying to reach Corey Stewart, <laughs> and we're just able to get him here and uh, but this guy has won five times in Northern Virginia in one of the largest uh most populated. Uh, Counties in Northern Virginia And a majority minority So he's winning among Black, Hispanic, Asian You know, just citizens Okay, and you know, as I've been saying We Republicans, we are living The dream of Dr. King We don't see skin color We see citizen So Corey, how have you done it, man?
6: Hey man, you know You gotta do, you just gotta stay focused On what people uh, really need And uh in Northern Virginia, that means you know keeping their taxes low, but at the same time building the, the parks that they want, the roads that they need, the schools for their children that are uh, constantly uh, uh, we, we're growing more, we need more and more of them. You just got to keep your nose to the grindstone and mm-hmm. keep you know, the, you know the quality of life up, and that's what I'm going to do the United as U.S. Senator. I'm not I'm not going to go up there and just you know spout a bunch of words and not get anything done the way Campaign does. I'm going to get things. Done. I'm going to lower people's taxes. I'm going to make more prosperity. I'll be supporting the president. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go up there to get things accomplished.
0: Yeah, yeah. And see, and I like that saying you used to have. I wish you'd keep using it that you were Trump before Trump was Trump because you had the toughest anti immigration stance in the United States of America, but it was even handed. No one could say it was race based because. Anyone in your county that got arrested, even if it was a a nun from Little Sisters of the Poor, anyone that got arrested had to prove their uh, immigration status, correct?
6: Everybody who was arrested had their immigration status checked 100%. And as a result of that, uh, we've handed over 8,200 criminal illegal aliens over to the federal government for deportation. The violent crime rate dropped in half. And, uh, and we haven't had, and I'm very proud of this, we haven't had a single, not one, not a single case of racial profiling in the entire 10-year uh, period that we've had this policy in place.
0: Right. And so the, it seems to me, Corey, um, that the message that Republicans need to hold is that minorities don't need pandering, okay? They don't want you to be Democrat-like to say, well— you, you, you all ride on the short bus, so we're going to treat you special because you can't handle the truth. What they want is the same thing that anybody wants, good government.
6: Yeah, that's what people want. They want good government. They don't want... Uh, uh, you know, they, they they just want efficient government. They want government jobs done. Is
0: this is, is is yeah. this why Trump is so popular? I mean, I understand that Trump's popularity now among minorities is higher than I've ever seen it at twenty nine percent. I mean that's almost one third.
6: Uh yeah. Um you know and, and that should really not be a surprise because here you got a president whose economic policies have led to the lowest unemployment rate ever for African-Americans. And people know this. African-Americans know this. They know that this president has been better for the African-American community than any other president Mm -hmm. in modern history.
0: I know it, and a lot of my friends know it, and there are many people that are out here singing this from the rooftops. So now, what's your strategy? Because you know their strategy uh, ahead of time. It's the same as it always is. Any Republican, if you're a Republican, that means you're you're racist. You hate brown people. You hate black people. You hate yellow people. You hate children. You hate clean air and you hate clean water. So, how are you gonna with 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 Republicans running for the hills and 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 donation money drying up? You know, are you able to break through and make some of these potential donors? see that this, is, this thing is winnable and, and, and that all you need is the capacity to compete in the marketplace of ideas?
6: Well, the, actually the donations are coming in and uh, at a pretty rapid pace now. We're especially doing well with small dollar donations and actually those are even more important than the large dollar because that shows a lot of support within mm-hmm. the community. So our yeah. direct mail program, All that is going very well. We are starting to raise some significant money. We have some real momentum with us. And um, uh, so I feel good about that. Now, the other thing is is that, you know, people, they get it. You know, they don't have to, people don't have to look at ads uh, to understand the truth. Uh, they, They know that the mass media is biased against Republicans. But as long as they can hear my message that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to support President Trump, and President Trump is supporting all of us. Uh, And improving the economy and cracking down on illegal immigration, then I'm very comfortable with where we're at right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, what are you getting from, because you've, again, you've won five times in a, a multi, and we got one minute to break. You've won five times, so, you know, I understand that even among Hispanics, they get it that the media is lying to them to say that president trump hates hispanics it's just he wants them to come legally are you are you getting that type of success from uh hispanics and other minorities yeah
6: you know that's a very good point you know uh, people you know the, the politicians would have you believe uh and the media would have you believe that you know hispanics don't want immigration enforcement that's not true they know more than anybody,
4: mm-hmm. the, the
6: impact, the negative impact of illegal immigration from, you know, decreasing wages and taking jobs, but also the crimes that are committed, because people when they come across the border illegally, they're not screened. We don't know if they have a criminal background or let alone a terrorist background. Right. So, right. you know, it's, it's just not true that Hispanics don't want immigration enforcement. They do. And they just want to make sure that it's fair. We have a fair policy. Right now we have chaos and it's
0: not mm-hmm. good for anybody. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Corey. You keep working hard, man. And, uh, look, you're welcome uh, to come on the Really Real Deal any time. And uh, you keep working hard, and thank you for, for sharing with us today uh, as I sit in for the Lee brothers.
6: Hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it,
0: Craig. All right. All right, folks. That's Corey Stewart. And, uh, hey, Brother Craig, the hatchet man here sitting in for Scott and Richard Lee. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to wrap up today's program. Well, it's been a fantastic program, folks, and uh, always an honor for me to sit in for Scott and Richard Lee. And, hey, they'll be back next week. And me, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, I will be here tomorrow. In the meantime, check out my website, thereallyrealdeal.com. Thereallyrealdeal.com. God bless you, Virginia.
6: a miracle we're not speaking British right now.
0: Just to show you how youthful I
6: am. I intend to campaign in all thirteen states.
4: Blathering blatherskites.
7: My friends, we
5: did it. We weren't just marking time. We made a difference. We made the city stronger. We made the city freer. And we left her in good hands. All in all, not bad bad at all and so bye God bless you and God bless the United States of America